0: Recently, I
1: asked Alex Bloomberg to come into the studio to take a test. Hello. Hey, Alex. Hey. How you doing?
0: Good. So what's, what's going on here?
1: So you're going to take this test. And test. Uh, yes.
0: That's why you called me into this room?
1: Yes. This is a job interview of the future. All right. If your last memory of getting a job includes filling out an application, sending in a resume, going in for an interview, This was nothing like that. I asked Alex to sit down at a computer and take the test that the company Xerox gives all potential applicants for its call center jobs. Now, some parts of the test were straightforward. For example, Alex had to listen to a sample phone call from an irate customer.
2: And I know for a fact that you sneak these charges in because people don't call about a dollar and ten cents because it's just a dollar and ten cents. And you sneak this into people's bills and everybody pays it. But this is criminal. It's awful. I just want this dollar 10 cents removed from my bill, and I never want to be charged for data usage again.
1: Other parts of the test were a bit trickier, and it was unclear what the right answer was. For example, Alex was given a pair of statements, and he had to choose which one he most agreed
0: with. Most managers are motivated to make ethical decisions. I always ask for help in difficult situations. Wait, what? Most managers are motivated to make ethical decisions. I almost always ask for help in difficult situations. Neither of those seem true to me. Um, I think think most people are motivated to make ethical decisions.
1: And then there were parts of the test that were just really, really hard.
0: Oh, my God, patterns.
1: This section asked Alex to use his reasoning and troubleshooting skills and to work as quickly as he could through the questions.
0: In the image below, which response most logically completes the color sequence? (laughs) What? Holy moly. Oh, wait. Is that it? So this goes down. Wow. I'm so confused. I'm just guessing. I'm totally guessing.
1: It took Alex an hour to finish the test. And Alex, you're here with me now.
0: I am. That was just listening to those clips of tape. This is making my, my skin sweat again. Like, that was just such a hard test. I was so shocked, actually, at how hard it was. Um, and I was really trying to do well. So I was actually really curious to see how I did. And so, Lisa, you and I, we called up the people who administered the test, the people who came up with this test. It's a company called Evolve. And I asked them, you know, would you call me in for an interview? Dave Osberg is a vice president at that company. And you guys have the results, right? We do. Did I make the cut?
3: So there are um, four factors uh, that we measure for this specific role. And you did really well on three of those, and you didn't do so well on one of those. So it's likely that with an, you know, a typical applicant pool, you would be probably more of a, a second-tier uh, reach-out.
0: I did not get the job, David. Just cut to the chase. <laughs> David told me that based on my results, he could tell that I would be a dependable employee. I'd be friendly on the phone, I'd be able to solve problems well, but that I'd be a bad call center agent in one very important way.
3: So the area where you scored red, which is you know the lowest score, was customer handling efficiency. And that's um, really focused on uh, managing time and being efficient in how you go through your work. So a concern with, with many call center positions is... You know, you can find people who are really friendly and who will be really nice to customers, but they may want to have really long conversations. They may draw out the call, and that's not good for the call center.
0: Now... Lisa, when you heard David tell me this and everybody else at the show who heard this piece of tape, they all nodded emphatically in agreement. In fact, it is very clear to me and others that I am not good at time management. But the funny thing is there weren't any questions about time management on this test. There was no question. Are you efficient with your time? How do you manage your time? There was nothing that they asked specifically that would allow them to know that about me. And yet they did. They had me pegged. Hello, and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
1: And I'm Lisa Chow. Today on the program, how Xerox and other companies are using tests like this to decide who to hire, and how they design their tests to learn information about us, information that we don't even know we're sharing.
0: Okay, so let's start here with Xerox. Xerox runs 175 call centers around the world. Now, if you think of Xerox as basically a copier company, this is another part of their business. They run call centers for other people. So for insurance companies and cell phone companies and everything, they run the call centers. So they have 175 of these call centers. They're filled with customer service agents who deal with questions about everything from cell phone bills to health insurance claims.
1: More than 50,000 people work in Xerox's call centers. Terry Morse is in charge of recruiting them. And she says up until a couple of years ago, a lot of people they thought that would work out in the call centers didn't.
3: We were spending a lot to
0: recruit and even more to train. And people were in the training classes sharing with us that they weren't right for the position. You have to be able to deal with a frustrated customer, hang up the phone and get on to the next and not have to excuse yourself to the ladies room and cry. So a couple years ago, Xerox hired this company, Evolve, to help them do a better job at finding the right people, people who could hack it in the call centers. Michael Hausman is the chief analytics officer at Evolve, and he says they work with lots of companies that operate call centers.
4: Many of our clients, we see turnover rates in excess of 100 percent. So in many cases, we'll see an entire call center turnover over the course of a year.
1: So that is the problem that Evolve is trying to solve. How can we help Xerox do a better job recruiting people, people who will be good at the job and who won't leave so quickly?
0: So what Evolve typically does, they go in, they sit down with the workers in these call centers, they put on the headset and listen to their calls, and they talk to them about what makes someone succeed or fail at the job. David Osberg, the VP at Evolve, has sat in with hundreds of different call center workers, and he says it's given him an appreciation of what their
3: job is. These are not easy jobs. Um, You know, some of them are very, very basic, like, um, you know, if it's just helping people find a tracking number for a a package that's being shipped and they have to take literally hundreds of those calls per day. Um, Not a hard job there, but really, really repetitive. Um, And there's a unique personality to people who are comfortable with that. Um, But these other jobs, if you're supporting... Something like a, a cell phone, an iPhone, an Android—you know, something like that—for a customer. There's a lot to learn, just technically. I mean, wow, these—you know—these agents, in many cases, I'm often amazed at how calm and friendly they stay when the person on the other end, of the customer, is freaking out on them. I'm I'm usually surprisingly impressed with just the the caliber of the people on the phones.
1: So Osberg told us that based on what they learn from these conversations, they put together a test. And after administering that test thousands of times, they start to see patterns. How agents who perform well in the call centers, how they tend to answer the questions or how agents who perform poorly answer
0: the questions, how those who quit
1: answer the questions, how those who stay longer answer the questions.
0: And in these patterns, there are quite a lot of surprises. For example, Xerox learned that questions recruiters often ask, questions that your resume is designed to answer, like where you worked and how long you worked there. These questions are almost irrelevant to your future job performance at a Xerox call center. Here's Michael Hausman with Evolve again. The common
4: wisdom amongst recruiters is that people who have jumped from job to job, they typically don't stay very long. So we looked at a population of tens of thousands of employees. And what we found is that previous job hopping behavior wasn't at all predictive of future tenure within these positions.
0: In other words, what used to be considered a strike against you, moving quickly from job to job, it turns out it doesn't matter.
1: And there was an even bigger shocker for us.
4: Job-relevant work experience also generally doesn't predict for these hourly roles.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So if I worked in a call center before, that has no predictive power on whether or not I'll be good at another call center job?
4: Yeah, for the most part, we found that to be true. Mm
0: -hmm. That's crazy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, It makes sense if you think about it.
0: This is David Osberg, Evolves Vice President, chiming in.
3: In many cases, um, people who quit or are laid off are lower performers, and there's a likelihood that they're just going to move to the call center right next door or down the street, and those are the people you think, okay, wow, they've, they've got call center experience. It's like, well, they were not a good employee before, so even though they have ex- experience in that role, definitely doesn't mean they're going to be a, a good um, employee moving forward.
0: And if you just think about that previous experience, it's probably one of the main things that employers look for in hiring somebody. You know, do you have experience doing the job that we're about to hire you for? It turns out it didn't matter. And then there's lots of questions on these tests that seem like they wouldn't matter at all, but are actually quite predictive. And this brings us back to that one section of the test that I found particularly confusing. It was that section where you're given these two statements, and you have to choose the one that best describes you or that you most agree with. Remember, this is the part of the test that gave me a really hard time. Let's just play back that tape. Most managers are motivated to make ethical decisions. I almost always ask for help in difficult situations. Neither of those seem true to me. Um, There were a ton of questions like this where it was just confusing how you were supposed to answer. Like, in some cases, both answers seemed true. Like, for example, this pair, the first statement went, even in stressful situations, I am usually confident I will do my best. And the second statement went, sometimes it's best to avoid people who cause trouble. Both were true. It was just hard to figure out, like, which one is more true? Which one would I choose, you know? And there were a bunch of them like that.
1: And it turns out these pairs of statements are one of the key ways that this company Evolve finds out information about people, information that people don't really want to share.
0: Like, for example, that they're not good time managers, maybe.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So if you think about a typical question these personality tests ask, for example, punctuality is very important to me. And the options go something like, I strongly disagree, I disagree, I agree, or I strongly agree it's pretty obvious what you should answer.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've all taken tests like this, and you know, you know you're know, you supposed to say, yes, I agree, punctuality is very important. Osberg says, we're trying to create a test where you can't do that, where you can't game the answer.
3: We use what are called forced choice items. So we are pairing job-relevant statements. We pair those statements against one another, and that essentially forces the applicant to be more honest about what best describes them because an individual says to themselves, essentially... I don't know which of these is, is better in terms of the best response for the job. So, I, you know, I guess I just have to go with my gut and answer what I think best describes me.
0: Osberg says you can learn a lot from these types of paired statement kinds of questions. And he uses the example of another client they had. This client was hiring a bunch of collection agents. You know, these are people who call customers on the phone and try to collect on overdue credit card bills or medical bills or car loans or whatever.
1: And on the test that they used for these collection agents, they had this one statement pair. One statement indicated you were persuasive. For example, I'm good at talking others into doing things. The other statement indicated you were creative. I come up with lots of inventions when I'm daydreaming, for example.
0: So you're a potential collection agent. You're taking this test. That is your choice. You have to choose one. I'm good at talking others into doing things or I come up with lots of inventions when I'm daydreaming. Now... These are collection agents we're talking about here. So Osberg expected that if they chose the persuasive option, I'm good at talking others into doing things, they'd be better at the job.
3: We actually pilot-tested this on an existing population of collections agents agents, and you know identified, okay, who are the top performers, who are the mid-performers, who are the low performers, and what really differentiates them. And we saw that individuals who scored highly on that creativity scale actually were some of the top performers consistently. And it was very clear that, okay, creativity is actually a job predictor for these collections roles, um, more so than was persuasiveness. And Osberg told
0: us a lot of what they learned, it doesn't really even have to do with what you answered, but how you answered. You know, the, these tests collect lots of metadata. How long did it take you to answer each individual question? What sequence did you answer the questions in? Did you go back and change your answers? They're collecting all of that, and that also helps them make all sorts of predictions about what kind of an employee you'll be.
1: And there are some scary ramifications of this. I mean, right now our nation is involved in a long-heated debate about metadata and how much it can tell about you in relation to the NSA. But here's someone employing the same tools in something that everyone has to go through at some point in time, looking for a job.
0: And what these tests do, you, you can sort of think about it as they profile you. They say, do you look like this type of person who will do good on this job or do you look like this type of person who won't do well on the job? And you're profiled in ways that you don't even realize. Again, Michael Hausman at Evolve.
4: So do you remember which browser you used when you were logged into the platform?
0: Chrome, I think.
4: Okay, so good news for you is that Chrome and Firefox users are... They stay significantly longer on these jobs. They perform significantly
0: better. That's right. Your browser, the browser that you use to fill out the application, correlates with how long you're likely to stay at a call center job. Also whether you used your own personal computer or filled out the application from a public terminal, like at a library, say. And you can see the
1: danger here. You're going from using answers on a test to help predict performance to potentially discriminating against people who can't afford their own computer. And that is why Evolve says they don't use this data in their algorithm to predict who will be good at the job or not.
3: They
0: try to use data that only has to do with specifically job-relevant tasks. It doesn't include what your browser is. It doesn't include where you filled out the application. And they also point out, if you're worried about the discriminatory effects of this new technology, think for a second about the effects of the old technology that's in place right now, the resume.
1: Yes, the resume. The resume might cause you to overlook perfectly qualified candidates. For example, people with seemingly spotty job histories or people who don't have the right education. And turns out education, another one of those things that you put front and center of your resume... Is not so important in certain jobs.
0: Michael Rosenbaum is the CEO of Pegged Software. They build online employee screening tests like the one that I took. And a while ago, they gave a version of their test to a bunch of computer programmers, and their finding overturned a very basic piece of conventional wisdom.
2: The question is: Is does a college degree or even a graduate degree tell you whether or not someone's going to be good in a particular job? And we find zero statistically significant correlation between a college degree or a master's degree and success as a software developer. Really? Yeah, so zero?
1: There's no correlation?
2: Now, a college degree may correlate with some other things. Mm-hmm. So a college degree may correlate with uh, writing skills. But we find no statistically significant correlation between a college degree and performance as a software developer.
1: With these types of counterintuitive findings, Rosenbaum thinks companies are going to do a lot more data analysis like this in the future, especially because he believes the current way of hiring, looking at a resume or cover letter, is so flawed.
2: You're trying to read the tea leaves in that resume and that cover letter to determine whether or not someone's going to be good at the job you have to fill. But because of the way we perceive those signals in a resume, we may overvalue them or we may undervalue them. And the other dynamic that ends up being at play that you can change with data is that people consciously and subconsciously tend to like to hire people like themselves.
0: This is where the old technology, the resume, can lead to serious bias. Barbara Martyr works at Mercer, which is a human resources consulting firm.
1: Studies have shown people like to hire people who are like them. And as you said, maybe it's where you went to school or maybe it's you knew the person from, a, from another job. You know, we use referrals in a lot of cases to get our next, you know, our next great employee. But I, th- I do think the, a lot of these new techniques do have the potential to eliminate biases. If you can go online and take a test, it doesn't matter where you went to school or who you know.
0: The downside, though, is that if the test doesn't like you, what do you do about that, right? <laughs> like, in the old way, you at least you could go back to school, even though maybe it didn't matter. Most people that we talk to, though, say that these types of tests, using data and metadata, are going to become more and more common.
1: Right now, Xerox uses a test as a screening tool. They still do interviews. But David Osberg of Evolve told us that eventually even the interview will be outdated. This is your chance to make it-
0: You know, Lisa, when this brave new future comes, you know what I'm going to miss? What? I'm going to miss the horrible interview story. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you got there, have your own version of the horrible interview story. We'd love to hear it. at NPR at NPR.org. Or you can
1: find us on Spotify, Facebook, Twitter. I'm Lisa Chow.
0: I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening.